This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, July 26th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to have a spoiler-filled conversation about Jordan Peele's new movie, Nope. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, Chris, I know that you really enjoyed Nope. You wrote the uh, the initial review for Slash Film. We have since published a spoiler review. I think we also have like an ending explained article. We have a bunch of, uh, of coverage of Nope up, and I'm going to link to several of those. So I encourage people to, uh, as always, read these articles. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about this movie because uh, it's, it's, I mean, any new movie from Jordan Peele des- uh, deserves discussion. But um, I know that you hold this movie in very high esteem. And I mostly wanted to give you a platform to talk about why you liked it so much. And then also... Uh, I have some questions for you. So what did you think about Nope? Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I love that Jordan Peele has basically become, uh, you know, like Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. He's become basically his own brand at this point. Like you, you know, when a new movie of his is coming out, you're, you're getting something special and uh, you're getting something original too, which is just so, uh, so damn refreshing these days when everything is, you know, not original. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I really love this. I, I don't think I love it as much as Get Out, which I still think is his best movie. Um, but I think I like it a little bit more than Us. Although I will add that I love Us. I, I've seen a lot of people say they do not care for Us. And while I think that movie sort of kneecaps itself at the end by trying to sort of explain everything a bit too much, everything up until that is just fantastic. So mm-hmm. I, I love that movie. But this was great, man. This was like Jordan Peele in, in summer blockbuster mode. This is his most enjoyable movie. Um, it's not as dense and layered as us, but there are still plenty of, of little interesting layers that uh, just come together to create this overall great narrative. And I I've seen people complain about certain um, subplots in the film, specifically you know, the whole thing with Gordy, the, the chimp, which is a, uh, I feel like the one takeaway everyone gets from this movie, like that's the one thing everyone's going to remember is the entire stuff with, with Gordy, the killer chimp. Yeah. And and some people seem to think it's like pointless. Uh, I obviously do not. I think it's, it's tied directly into 
everything the movie is trying to say about people who seek out spectacles and you sort of have two sides of the coin here. You have um, uh, the character of OJ and his sister Emerald who are, you know, chasing spectacle as well, but they're doing it in this more uh, down to earth, uh, likable way that we can root for because they're underdogs. They're, 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 you know, they work in Hollywood, but they're obviously not, you know, elite Hollywood people. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, the character of, of, um, uh, Stephen Yun's character is his name, oh, his name uh, is Jupe. Jupe, yes. Yeah, and you know he was a formal child star, and he was the one who witnessed Gordy killing people. And you know, it seems to me like the, you know how I interpret that whole thing is that you know, uh, he took away the the wrong lessons from that Gordy thing because after Gordy uh, injured several people, he tried to be friendly with Jupe, and Jupe. I think Jupe sort of read that as like. I'm, you know, I'm above all this. And that comes into later in the film where he's basically trying to do the same thing again, but with the, uh, the alien, um, you know, obviously at this point, if you see, since it's a spoiler discussion, you know, it's not actually a flying saucer or UFO. It's a, a living creature. And Daniel Kaluuya's character even says, you know, he talks about trying to tame predators and stuff like that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like what Jupe is doing here. You know, he thought, Oh, I could tame Gordy back in the day. I can surely, tame this thing and of course he's wrong and his entire family dies a horrible death and so does he (laughs) yes yeah i I thought that the um some of the i mean yes uh, what you said uh, is sort of uh, part of what was going through my mind during the the gordy's home thing and you know i I guess in the moment i was sort of questioning what this means but really when the movie gets into that final act and like the main characters are sort of uh you know staged in that valley and and basically doing like a giant face-off kind of experience with this this alien um it sort of became more clear to me the the parallels between the gordy's home subplot and what you know what is actually going on with their behavior and the way that they're interacting with this uh alien species because like you know one of the big um ideas in this movie is like uh daniel kaluuya's character uh oj talking about like in the very beginning talking about uh when they're on that that uh film set um, you know, people not respecting the space of this, of the horse that he is uh, sort of wrangling and in control of. And like, you know, yeah. people are flashing things in its face and walking around behind it. And he's like, you know, he's a, a very uh, sort of soft spoken person. And he's like, Hey, like, don't, don't do this. There are, there are rules, there are boundaries that you're not supposed to cross. If you want these creatures to behave in a way where they can, you know, coexist with us in this space and people just, you know, completely flout those, uh, the, you know, cross those lines willy nilly and uh, bad things happen. And that was sort of, um, you know, that that idea is sort of carried through and touched on a bunch of times over the course of the movie. And I think the Gordy's home thing is one of those as well, where like, you know, what do you think is going to happen when you have a, a trained chimp on a set yeah. and uh, an unexpected thing like uh, a, like a balloon popping goes off? Of course, you know, uh, I think what's one of the the, um, the cinematographer character played by uh, Michael Wincott says something like, like, ask Sigrid and Roy. Like, yeah. you know, there, there are moments where um, where, you know, uh, chaos sort of like spills into the frame when things don't go according to plan. And I think that that Gordy's home thing is just, uh, you know, another one of those sort of underlining examples of um, that thematic connection that, that Peel is trying to sort of weave throughout this, this tapestry. But And also Gordy is innocent. I want to add Gordy did nothing wrong here. It's not his fault that he ripped a girl's face off, <laughs> cut Gordy some slack. Um, and yeah, the whole thing is tied into not just that, but just like influencer culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that without like, 
tackling it, like without giving it like a shitty subplot where there's like a TikTok girl and she's like, I'm on TikTok. Like that would like that would be like a terrible version of this movie. And instead they don't really focus on that until like the very end where some guy from TMZ shows up and he's he's like, I gotta get the shot. And he's such a goddamn idiot where he's like he breaks his neck basically and he's still like, give me my camera. And that too is just tied into all these characters and how they're all just trying to get that shot. They're trying to to one up each other. And, you know, you end up rooting for OJ and, and Emerald and uh, all those characters because we're, you know, we see where they're coming from. And then these outsiders, like the Jupe character and the TMZ guy were like, these guys suck because they're, they're going about it in this really crass consumerism way. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have a, a completely different layer where this is move. This is like a movie about making movies. So obviously I was hundred percent wrong when I said there aren't as many layers in this movie, but there aren't as many layers as in us, which I feel like is like incredibly dense. And like every frame of that movie is, is packed with stuff you can, you can break down. And yeah. there's, not, there's not as much as that here, but there's still plenty of like all these different things that are going on. And I just, and I just love that this movie is like on one level, you can enjoy it as like this jaws, like summer blockbuster, but if you want to look a little deeper, it has all this other stuff in there too that you can you know, like really digest and break down and 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 think about. And I, that's so that's such a rare thing. And I, I'm so happy this exists. Yeah, I think um, like for me, Get Out is pretty clear cut on both a, a narrative and a thematic level. And us, although I really enjoy and and really like and respect us a lot as well, that movie sort of veered a little bit more toward being almost like a purely metaphorical um, sort of experience. And with Nope, I feel like there's still plenty to grab onto and a a well of rich ideas that this movie is playing with on a a thematic level. But I I have to admit, Chris, that I left the movie slightly confused about a couple things, like what exactly the plan was and who was supposed to be where, when, and sort of, you know, how they planned to accomplish what they needed to accomplish there. I think there were some you know, like Get Out works so well on that pure narrative and also thematic level. I feel like Nope is kind of, it works more for me on like the big ideas and and the the sort of, um, I don't know, like the the interesting themes that it wants to bite into and, and sort of uh, toss around and have you think about than it did on like a pure narrative level. Because I was, I kind of, <laughs> they, they have that scene where, they use the uh, the Monopoly um, game pieces. Yeah. And I was like, okay, great. This is like the heist movie scene where, you know, everybody lays out exactly what's going to happen. And then we get to see that play out later. But I, I have to admit that there are parts like in, in that, that final um, showdown or whatever you want to call it, where I was just unclear about literally what was supposed to be happening and what was going on. So I, I was curious if you, uh, you know, were able to track everything on that first level, that pure narrative level that happened in this movie. Um, or if there were, this is one of those movies where you sort of said to yourself at a certain point, like, okay, I need to um, sort of check out from watching the movie in that way and like not worry so much about the rules and and sort of what everything means on like a literal level. What what, what was your experience like watching it? Um, yeah, I, that lens? yeah, I didn't have anything that left me too puzzled. I do think there there's got to be a little bit more that that ended up on the cutting room floor that I really wish he would cut back in to clarify some things. I, I definitely feel like 
there was more to the Michael Wincott character as, as much as I love Michael Wincott and as wonderful as he is in this movie, it feels like there's something slightly missing with this character because, you know, at the very end, he's like, I'm going to just kill myself. And I was sort of like, <laughs> that seems like a bit much for this character. Like, I know he's presented as like this grumbly, uh, miserable guy, but the fact that he's just like, ah, I'm going to run to the, into the <laughs> UFO and, and yeah. die. I, I didn't quite, like, he says like, we don't deserve the unexplained. He says something like that. And mm-hmm. that's sort of, I guess, explaining his motivation. But I wanted a little bit more to understand where this character was coming from and his decision to literally, because it's not like they can get that footage. It'd be one thing if he was sacrificing himself to get the footage, but that camera gets like sucked up with him. So they're, yeah. they're not going to be like, we got that footage. So I don't quite... Yeah, don't quite understand what his deal is. And th- there was one moment, I don't know if you clocked this, but it was like a very brief shot where he sort of like turns his back almost. I think one of the other characters is in the shot with him, but he almost turns his back and he like pops a pill or, or multiple pills really quick. Um, yeah. Sort of before the, the big action scene really commences there at the end. And I was kind of like, oh, is this like telegraphing that this character is sick and and is dying and sort of like, you know, he seems to spend all his time when he's not on film sets, just, uh, you know, um, mesmerized by nature footage of of uh, creatures devouring other creatures in really bizarre ways. And um, it just seemed like the, uh, the pill swallowing thing was like the movie's shorthand of being like, oh, this guy's on the way out. So yeah. maybe that's like the reasoning behind him just going up going out in a blaze of glory, so to speak. So, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I, um, the more I think about the movie, the more I like it, but I, I, I wonder how many people are going to walk out of this movie just being sort of like, what the hell was that? Cause that's yeah. kind of how I, how I walked out of it. And, um, and like there were, yeah, it feels like, you know, you're talking about things on the cutting room floor. It just, there were moments where I was like, did I miss a scene here or something? Because like Daniel Kaluuya at one point seems to run into that, like a little stable uh, building, I guess on their property. And then like at one point he comes out of that and he seems to be limping. And I'm like, did, did he injure his ankle in some way that I don't know about? Like they're just little like pieces of connective tissue that I, I don't know if they just weren't shot or if Peel is just like, you get it. It's fine. Like move on. It doesn't matter. And, um, and I'm not really talking about like, you know, Jacob and I remember when us came out and had this huge conversation, wrote this joint article about what the movie, uh, could be, what the, the meanings could be and all the metaphors and everything and all these different reads on the movie. And I, I feel like for us, um, some people got hung up on like the, uh, you know, what exactly, how exactly does this world work? You know, you've got yeah. them tethered and like, what does this really mean on a logical level? And I, I didn't really, have that problem with us because I was so uh, locked in with what the movie was doing and the performances were so great. And and it just felt like I understood the narrative, even if it didn't make logical sense to me in a way that Nope kind of left me wondering if I had missed some pieces along the way. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have like mixed feelings about the whole thing, but I, I, I like every movie is, is obviously a movie of images, right? It's yeah. is com- composed of images. But for me, this is really like a movie that I think about individual shots and, uh, you know, a shoe perfectly balanced amid the, the carnage yes. rot uh, on the sitcom set or like the screaming bodies, the bodies like writhing up through that interior of the alien or like the 
just the, the inflatable tube men lining that dusty valley road. Like Jordan Peele is so good at, at creating memorable visuals that just work on like this uh, sort of primal level. Um, but yeah, like the, the, I guess, straightforward narrative didn't always click for me in the same way that it did for other Peel films. But um, what, what were some other things that you uh, that you sort of took away from this movie or that you wanted to highlight here? Uh, I, I definitely think this is his funniest movie. Like, this is the most I've laughed at any of his movie. Like, you know, his other movies have comedy in them, but this is, like, consistently funny, especially, like, everything Kiki Palmer is doing. She's mm-hmm. just, just a delightful presence in this movie. And... um. Yeah, those going back to those visuals, like all those wide open shots of the, of the sky, they were they're so effective that they made me like have vertigo at times. Like it was like ah, I'm getting like dizzy just looking at that. And I want to specifically highlight this movie has a great way. Uh, it's a it's a great example of how you can light night scenes and still see things. Because uh, there are a lot of scenes in this movie where where Daniel Kaluuya is walking around the the ranch at night. And part of his face will be in shadow, but you'll still make him out. And it's so much better than so many shitty movies and TV shows now where it's like just pitch black and you can't see what the hell is going on. It's like the entire time I was watching, I was like, this, this is exactly what every TV cinematographer should be doing to stop making every like, you know, I like Stranger Things, but that most recent season, there were several shots where it's nighttime and they're out in the woods and I could not see what the hell yeah, was going on. I was like, "What is going on?" This shit it was like driving me crazy. Yeah. And every night shot in this movie is perfectly clear to the point where it still looks like night, but you can still figure out what's going on. And I, it's like, like this is just proof. Like, granted, they're using IMAX cameras and something TV can't use that exactly, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a way. There has to be a, a a happy medium here because I'm so tired of of night shots uh that just look like garbage so did you see this in in an imax theater yeah i saw this in in real imax like okay not one of those fake imax theaters but like an honest to gosh imax yeah so i saw it at a local amc that was just like you know a sort of crappy theater and big um, mistake amc is the worst theater on the planet and i hope they shut down The only reason that I go is because there's one that's like five minutes from my house. So it's just so convenient. But I mean, yeah, where I live, AMC is like the only game in town. And it's yeah. so depressing because they suck. Yeah. Um, I wish I had the experience that you had. And I'm wondering if I saw it in IMAX, if I would have had that. Um, because a lot of this movie just was super dark to me. And, and oh, I was like, I know. And I, I listened to an interview on the, um, I think it was like IndieWire's uh, like craft podcast with Jordan Peele. Uh, after I saw the movie and he was talking about how he and um, what is his name? Uh, Hoyt, Hoyt. Hotima, I think yeah, is the, like yeah, the, the cinematographer who's worked with Christopher Nolan a bunch. And um, you know, they like basically developed a new way to shoot things at night. And, and he was sort of, um, I guess like a little uh, evasive about exactly what the technique was behind that. But I was like the way that they were talking about it and the way that you were talking about it just now, I was like, damn it. I wish I would have seen this movie in like optimal conditions because that's what I wanted. There were, there were so many times in my crappy little AMC screening where I was like, I genuinely can't see what's going on here. And I know that, um, that Jordan Peele didn't intend for it to be that way. And, you know, afterwards my wife and I were just complaining about it, uh, on the ride home. And I was like, he's gotta, you know, he's gotta know that most people are going to see this movie in a, a crappy theater that is not going to project the image in ideal circumstances. And I was like, he's got to account for that. But the more I think about it, like 
it goes back to that same thing about that big sound movie uh, dialogue article that I wrote where like the people who were working in the, in the sound departments and sound teams and like Oscar winners that I talked to and everything. One of the big takeaways was like, there has to be a standard somewhere. Like we have to, we have to go for, we have to try to, um, to make this look great in the best conditions. Otherwise, if people actually do see it in really good conditions, it's going to look overlit or whatever, you know? And I, I, part of me wishes that, um, it really just boils down to like AMC be better, like get your shit together <laughs> is it's, really the the central complaint here. But um, I don't it's know. Just, I, I, it's yeah. insane that they're like this monopoly and they suck so bad. And it's like, oh my God, like, I, you know, they don't have like projectionists. They have, you know, everything is automated. Mm-hmm. So there's no one there to really check to make sure the projection is is great. And, and you know, there's no one checking anything. This theater, and I, I don't blame the, you know, the teens making minimum wage. Like it's not their fault. Right. It's, it's the, it's the greedy CEOs and stuff who just don't give a shit. They want to turn a profit and they will because they have a mon- monopoly. And meanwhile, we're all stuck with their God awful theaters. And yeah. then people wonder, you know, why doesn't anyone want to come back to the theater? This is why no yeah. one wants, <laughs> because you are ruining the movies. And it just, it actually really bums me out to hear that. After I went on that whole spiel about, yeah, it looks great that your your showing looked like shit because it's like, God damn it. Like this, this deserves better, especially after you just said that they developed a new way to shoot at night, which is like exciting and yeah. it should be seen the right way. And it won't be because AMC stinks. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wanted to put that out there in case anybody else, you know, who saw the movie in a, a less than optimal AMC was having the same experience that I did. But hopefully people saw it on, you know, an IMAX screen in a good presentation and actually was able to sort of benefit from that, um, that, that presentation that they were talking about and, and uh, you know, saw the movie in all its full glory. But um, OK, so before we get to the very end of the movie, Chris, were there any other uh, highlights or sort of uh, shout outs that you wanted to give? Just the whole cast is just great across the board. Everyone here. Um, what is, the, I, I should have this open in front of me. That actor. His name is uh, Brandon. Uh, Ferrara. Perrara. P-E-R-E-A. He, I, I don't know who the hell he is. I've never seen him before, but he was just a delight in this movie. He's just funny and, and likable in this sort of pathetic way. <laughs> and yeah. I just really like that character. Um, I love the I love that whole um, opening where you know the coin falls out of the sky and mm-hmm. kills Keith Davis' character because it's such a surreal sort of like what is going on here and I just love the way the movie sort of eases us into the like because first it opens with the the Gordy sequence and we have no idea what that even is <laughs> then it goes into the you know the Keith David dying scene and then it goes into six months later where they're they're on set with a horse and it's like the movie is just slowly sort of easing you in and you're like, I, I, I can't figure out what exactly is going to go on here and where this is going. And mm-hmm. I gotta say, I love the twist that it's not a UFO. It's like a living monster basically. Cause I did not see that coming. And that's such a neat idea. I can't think of another movie that's done it. I'm sure. I guess like the abyss counts, but that's like underwater, but mm-hmm. those things are like living things that happen to look like UFOs. But mm-hmm. Other than that, that's such a neat, different twist on on the UFO idea. And I really love the sort of like 
modernist art design of the the alien when it like unfurls and it looks like a Christo installation where yeah, like it's flowery. like yeah I was like this is so neat and different and I and I just really you know anytime a movie you know I, I I said this before I watch a lot of movies and anytime a movie shows me something different I'm like oh hell yeah this is it's like a it's like a like a drug fix it's like I'm chasing this my whole life and here yeah. it is so <laughs> yeah so I, I just love stuff like that man yeah, I, I wish that I had a better grasp on exactly what, um, you know, it's like so, I feel so stupid even talking like this because, you know, on one hand, movies like this are spe- are almost like explicitly designed to, for you to not really worry so much about the rules and just sort of give yourself over to the spectacle of it all. But I, I do wonder, like, if I would have maybe connected with the movie a little bit more, if I better understood exactly what the the um alien like what its capabilities were and like why it ate certain things the rules, when it did basically. and yeah kind of um see this for is a, lack problem, of a better term but this is a this is a problem i had with uh, the black phone did you see that i did yes so, like i liked that movie but i felt like that movie really cheated in the rules it was trying to establish with this kid in the basement and what the hell the deal is with the grabber. And like, I don't need everything spelled out for me, but I feel like that movie really sort of cheats with, with its rules. And I can definitely see what you're saying here with this, because we know like absolutely nothing about this alien thing. Like, where did it come from? Why is it hanging out in this Valley? How, how long has it been here? Um, you know, I, I, so I, I could definitely see that, that complaint. And like, what is, you know, why is it tormenting, like it literally rains blood down on their house. Like, yeah. is, it, is it like, fuck you? <laughs> is it like angry at them? I don't, I don't, you know. So I, I definitely could understand wanting a bit more there, but at the same time, I do kind of like how it's like, all right, we gotta just figure it out for ourselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the idea of, um, you know, I, I, I definitely do not. What I don't want the movie to do is be like, uh, zoom all the way out to a government office and be like, yes. my God, it's happening again yeah. or whatever. Like, I don't care about that. I like the fact that it's contained to this this valley and I don't really want or need backstory about the the alien at all. I just want some consistency with its own behavior that I see throughout the course of the movie. So I know like, okay, when it does this, it means this. And it just sort of seemed like it was like sucking characters up or things up almost in not quite random ways, but ways where I, I just found myself wondering, like, you know, cause I think they say at one point, like, you can't look when it, at it. Yeah, well, definitely what you can't look at it is like one of the big things, which reminds me so much of like the very end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, and you mentioned Jaws and like how Spielberg is such a sort of a formative, um, you know, uh, influence that sort of looms over this whole thing, which was really cool. But the um, like the idea of uh, it, it, it uh, the, the creature not liking sucking up the flags or like little pieces yeah. of plastic or whatever. I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know. I, I, I found myself wondering like, okay, what, how does this work? What, what is going on here? So again, I, I feel like, uh, you know, some of this stuff may be like missing the point capital M I P, but, um, or, or T P, but, uh, but you know, uh, I just wanted to bring it up anyway. Okay. So, so the very end, Chris, um, you know, we're talking about the, the movie working on, on this thematic level and being so much about like commodification and like, uh, cashing in on your, your trauma and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the links that you'll go to in order to, um, live and, and thrive and, and survive in a capitalist society, like all of these, these ideas are, um, are touched on in like 
pretty overt ways throughout the movie. And then the very end, when uh, uh, Kiki Palmer's character and Daniel Kaluuya's character both survive, does it sort of undercut the message or like the lesson of this story by having both of them live? And then I guess this, a sub question is, do you even agree with that premise? Do you think that Daniel Kaluuya's character actually is alive at the end of this movie? Because there's that one shot where uh, from Kiki Palmer's character's perspective, you look and see, and he's sort of framed in that uh, the Ju- uh, Jupiter's claim, like Western town sort yeah. of a uh, sign. And I, I don't remember exactly what is on the sign. Oh, it's something it's like, like out yonder, yonder or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he there's a lot of like fog or smoke or whatever in the air. And he's like on horseback uh, in, in that uh, orange sweatshirt, that crew sweatshirt. And it's from a distance. You don't really get to see, I'm not saying that it's like another character or something, but I was wondering, part of me was wondering if that was like an apparition or something. Did she like almost wish that she saw him survive or do you think the movie is just saying no they both made it and you know they made made it through together kind of thing yeah i think that's really him and i do think the movie's ending um i don't want to say it lets them off the hook but you know it brings them together in a way they they really they were sort of at at odds at the start of the movie Mm -hmm. and i think the the way peel sort of balances the whole like it sucks to chase this stuff down for exploitation and for the spectacle is that even though Kiki Palmer does get that shot with the, the well camera or Mm -hmm. whatever, it cuts to reveal there's like a whole bunch of like news people right at the edge of the gate and they have cameras. So I'm assuming they got like even better footage of the, ufo than she did because she's using this shitty well camera and they have like hd stuff so in the end like they're not the only people who get the the oprah shot so it's like Hmm, but they're the but they're the ones who defeated the monster or alien which i think goes a long way towards like redeeming them as you know these people chasing a spectacle like they're you know they saved the world in a way whereas they didn't just get a cheap shot to sell to someone they literally made a difference yeah i need to watch the movie again because i didn't read i didn't get that those people sort of at the very end so who were like coming in to the gates were news people i kind of thought that they were just like cops and detectives or something like coming to yeah i gotta um, i gotta say it again too but i'm almost positive i saw like at least one like news van there okay so if they if that actually is is what really happened on screen and they I think I wish Peel would have like underlined that a little bit more because I think I think making that explicit would have gone a long way to sort of hammering home the theme of the movie or one of the the many themes of the movie, which is like and and really bringing it full circle too because the movie sort of opens or pretty close to opens with that idea of uh, or sort of that, sort of that um that like uh, flashback that that um what what is the word like uh, um, explaining the the history of. Uh, the images, the sequential images of black man on the horse. And like nobody in real life, nobody knows the name of the, the writer. And in this movie, he's like the great, great grandfather of uh, Keith David's character. Um, and, and at the very end of this movie, if those actually are news people who captured this footage uh, with HD cameras or whatever, um, I, I think that would be a really good way to sort of, uh, connect those dots from the beginning of their family to the end where like the same kind of thing happened. Like this um, 
this black family did the work basically. And then yeah. uh, other people are, are uh, commodifying that or, or sort of, um, you know, uh, stealing it for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cause Daniel Kalu even says at one point, he's like, if we don't get this shot, someone else is going to show up and, and claim it for themselves. So I do think that's exactly what he's what Jordan Peele is going for here with that whole thematically tying it into, you know, the, the, um, the horse and rider thing. Okay. But I do agree that he probably could have, underscored that just a tiny bit more but um i don't know again i do really think there's like a slightly longer cut and he probably trimmed it down just to make the movie move better and Mm -hmm. it moves really well so i can i you know it's paced really well so i get that but i i i hope we get like a you know special edition on blu-ray that that adds some of this stuff back in assuming it exists yeah talking about that uh the the black uh rider on the horse i didn't even really make the connection until just now of like the final shot of daniel kaluuya being framed in that sort of almost four by three way is like a a visual callback to that uh, that image as well um where he's like underneath that out yonder sign so yeah it's like he's um, in a frame basically yeah yeah my wife and i were talking about like was he on the uh the white horse called ghost in that final shot or was he on the black horse which may or may not have been called lucky i don't remember which horse he was on at the very very end i think Um, he's on lucky because ghost dies like like, oh did he die or did he just disappear or something because he like rode off at one point and one of the horses i I think i think it's ghost one of the horses gets sucked up and you hear it screaming and that really upset me i (laughs) I, i'm fine with humans being obliterated (laughs) but anytime there's like i was really upset when they they shot poor gordy too like it's not his fault yeah leave gordy alone but you know so yeah i'm pretty sure ghost dies and it's lucky at the end but i i could be wrong i've it's been a few days since i saw the movie Okay. RIP ghost. Uh, well, um, yeah, man, this is like, like all Jordan Peele movies, there's so much to to talk about and so much to think about. So, um, thanks for having this conversation with me and hopefully this was like helpful for people who have seen the movie and, and are looking for a way to sort of work out some of these ideas and, and some of these questions and stuff that they may have. Um, hopefully, uh, we, we represented ourselves fairly well, but um, definitely read as much as you can about this movie. We have a lot, like I said, at SlashFilm.com, including Chris's review. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. And you can find much, much more about Nope at SlashFilm.com. Uh, SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.